you are listening to Hi, welcome to Corn on the Macabre. I'm Katie Adkins. Hi, I'm Hunter. And we're going to talk about mad scientists. Hunter picked this topic. Did anything inspire it? Nah, is it the dog part? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, then I just thought of a mad scientist. I mean, it does sound really cool, and I'm excited for this topic because I think I know nothing about it, so it sounded like a good time to learn. (laughs) (laughs) Time to research something. Yeah. Um, I can't say that I have any uh, mad scientist experience. It's probably for the best. Pretty standard. I've definitely known like people who've like self proclaimed to be like a mad scientist but they weren't they just liked the image and title and idea i haven't ever actually known a mad scientist if that makes sense i don't think i know that many scientists to be honest i don't either since we went to the college we went since we went to a more liberal arts (laughs) route we kind of missed we missed meeting all the scientists and befriending them all the nerds like the theater kids there was this one girl i was friends with in high school who I just love the path her life went because she was very, she was known for being a really ditzy cheerleader and she got like a full ride at tech for nuclear engineering and I just really loved that for her. That's amazing. Yeah, she was really sick. She was a really cool person and she was really smart, but the way she talked like had a lot of inflections like this and she was on the cheerleading squad, so people just assumed she was dumb. That reminds me of But she was so fucking smart. The one time I ever went to a Hooters. I've never been, so that's once more well, than me. Well, why would we go? But my friends yeah. wanted to go because I guess they have good wings. I don't really remember, but you know, I have had their wings. I got them to go though, like I got them for pickup, just I to try, with, just to try them. It was me and like the people in my dorm, and we went, and our waitress was this like beautiful, busty blonde, gorgeous, had that sort of like I don't know, like like very valley girl. But it turns out, she told us, she's like, yeah, I'm just, this is my part-time job, I'm going to tech, I'm going to be, um, what was it, like an aerospace engineer, Yeah. Um, and I'm getting my master's in, like, chemical, blah, 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 whatever, something fancy sounding. Yeah, like biochemistry like, or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because so she's like, actually going to be a mad scientist. Whenever yes. I hear biochemistry, I'm like, okay, so you're going to, like, you, like, experiment on yeah. bodies. Is my cousin a biochemist? Isn't biochemistry, aren't those the people who, like, make medicine? Yeah, I think he's a biochemist. He, like, worked on the Ebola vaccine. And I remember, like, we were on, like, some family phone call, and he was like, guess what I did today? And we were like, what? And he was like, I injected myself with Ebola. We were all just like, hope that goes well. (laughs) And he was like, no, 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 like, we're testing the vaccine, I just wanted to, like, test it on myself. And I was like, I guess? Okay. They gotta fucking test it on someone. I didn't know that that's how that... Well, they do, okay, so you can pay people to volunteer their bodies to science for stuff like that, but with something like Ebola, like, man, if you don't believe in your own vaccine enough to try it, I couldn't really justify putting it on somebody else. That's true. So. Like, if they're not gonna take it, why would I? You're, like, you're martyring someone for your own, like, pursuit. Yeah. It just, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people fucking do that, but <laughs> I just, no, I applaud those who would just try it themselves. Oh, but he did this cool thing. I just remember. Sorry, I have to brag about my cousin. No, go for it. <laughs> brag about your cousin. I love this. He, he, he worked on this thing where instead of like an injection, like a needle injection mm-hmm. for the vaccine, he and his team came up with this, um, like a patch that had a bunch of tiny little needles on it. Is that so better that or worse? It's better because one, it doesn't have to be kept refrigerated as long. Okay. And two, it works 
faster because it's injected into you like multiple times evenly and so it and it's cheaper to manufacture so that vaccines for like measles and stuff for like you know being shipped to like africa and like third world countries and whatever it's cheaper and easier and more effective how fucking cool is that that is really cool and he explained it to me in science words and i had to have him explain it to me (laughs) in english (laughs) when did the measles get a vaccine like that had to have been like the 70s right i don't know the only reason why i say that is because my uncle had the measles as a kid and like luckily he lived but like i always think about that because to me the measles sounds like polio like something from like 1908 the only reason why i know my uncle had the measles is because my dad told me it was on halloween and it was really upsetting because he couldn't go trick-or-treating so oh that would kill me so and and he was the youngest in the family too he was a little baby boy and so uh my dad and his sister brought like an extra bag trick-or-treating like trying to convince people (laughs) that it was for their brother (laughs) and that he was homesick with the measles (laughs) some people thought they were just trying to get extra candy (laughs) they were like no it's for our brother we just didn't want to share our own candy (laughs) Uh, chicken pox the measles? No. I, they what? are similar, There's... but chicken pox is definitely... I I know chicken pox is different. Because they have different vaccines. Is so. there a chicken pox vaccine? I thought you just like got it once and then you just didn't get it again. No, I got the vaccine because it was developed right before I was born. But my brother didn't because it wasn't developed yet. I know I had chicken pox. The vaccine was made available in 1995, so I guess that was just a personal choice your mom made to not get you vaccinated. I and know I had it, but I also know I was really young, and I was born in 92, which leaves a three-ish year period where I could have gotten it before the vaccine. I see. Would be my guess. You could, yeah. bless my mom for not being an anti-vaxxer. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, well, my yeah. mom, my mom, well, my brother, born in '82, absolutely had the chicken pox when oh, he yeah. was like five or six, and they were like, it was miserable. So when it came out, my mom was like, give her the vaccine. <laughs> According to the CDC, more than 3.5 million cases of chicken pox and 9,000 hospitalizations are prevented each year thanks to the chicken pox vaccine. Fuck yeah! So that's. Super sick. Anyways, tell me about your mad scientist. Okay. I'm dying to know. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I got information from a couple of places. I got one from a Smithsonian article by Anna Diamond called The Computer Programmer Who Ran a Global Drug Trafficking Empire. Oh, well, so this mad scientist is a programmer? Is programming considered science? I mean, I guess it's a science. I'd consider it a science. So... For this purpose, yes, it is. Okay, all right, yeah. It's computers, computer science. Computer yeah, computer science. science. It is a science. science. It is a science. It is a science. Okay, yeah, so. There's some, like, political science involved. There's science. Anthropology involved. Do we need to define what the word science means? No. Okay. <laughs> we get the point. He's a smart, intelligent dude. Okay. Science. So I got it from that article. I got it from a podcast episode of Reply All, which I had never heard of before, but it was actually 
Really? Great. So oh, okay. check them out. Reply all. It's a podcast about the internet. This guy, this computer programmer turned drug trafficking empire ruler. <laughs> Amazing. How does one become that? Roundabout, complicated way. Okay. It helps if you're a shit person. Oh, okay. Um, and this shit person, his name is Paul LaRue. Um, he was born in 1972 in Lady Rodwell Maternity Home in... Bulawayo, Zimbabwe. Um, Zimbabwe? Yes, to clarify, he is a white man. Born in Zimbabwe, he is immediately given up for adoption. Not much is known about his birth parents, um, but he is adopted. He was adopted by a couple who lived in the asbestos mining town of... Asbestos? Yes. They mined it. They mined asbestos? I guess so. (laughs) <laughs> the fuck is it? Ab- what? Okay. Continue. It was the 70s. Who knows? I feel like we knew asbestos could, like, kill you at that point. I don't think so. I think that was, like, the really? like maybe the 90s or something. I think it's fairly recent because they'll, like, demolish houses now and they have to be careful because there's asbestos, like, still in them. Um, they name him Paul Calder LaRue. So they're living in Zimbabwe, but due to political upheaval at the time and his parents wanting um, better, like, educational opportunities, they moved to Krugersdorp, South Africa. They're killing it with these names. Yes, where his father built a um, company where they managed coal mining operations. Um, And he made a lot of money off of that. So Paul was a very intelligent child, um, and he quickly found a love of technology. When he was 12, he was given his first computer in exchange for washing his dad's car. (laughs) What? (laughs) Tell me you're rich without telling me you're rich. You don't get computers when you wash people's cars. So he gets this computer and absolutely is just obsessed with it, Um, spends all his time on it. Um, he's not really into sports or socializing, like, he kind of does his own thing. But he quickly finds um, that his love of technology is useful for all sorts of nefarious purposes. So, at 15 years old, he is caught selling pornography online. I don't know what kind, I don't know where he got it, I don't know, but regardless, it doesn't matter because his parents convince the police to let it go. You're selling porn online in 1987? He was ahead of the game. Online in 1987? The upload speed of that image he... it would take like two hours. It'd just be like, uh, 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 uh. Oh, I see her face now. After this, you know, he's in school. He's, you know, really intelligent. Um, but he starts to kind of ha- kind of have a rebellious streak. He refuses to learn Afrikaans, which at the time was the mandatory language in South Africa. Um, he said it's a dead language, and he didn't want to spend the time learning it. Getting real sassy. By 16, he has dropped out of school and taken his education into his own hands. He enrolled in a online programming course that was supposed to take one year to complete. He completed it in eight weeks. So he finishes his programming course. Soon after that, he moves to the UK. And then he moves to the US. And then he moves to Australia. And this time in his life is very vague. He won't talk about it to anyone. The general idea is that he had various programming jobs um, and just was trying to, like, 
get started in the world, but it wasn't going anywhere. He starts showing up online as the mid-1990s when he starts posting on different Usenet sites, you know, sharing source codes. Um, he also would post obscene and offensive comments about Australia, be a straight-up, like, racist troll. Like, he would just troll people. The troll before trolls, man. And he... He would later state that he was genuine, like, he genuinely was amused by, like, upsetting other people. He's, like, a QAnon. That's an, that's an amazing... Comparison. Oh, he could really... <laughs> oh, he could really, really... Oh, that's so interesting. Who is Q? You don't know. He's such an online troll, um, but not really doing anything super noteworthy. However, around 1997, he begins working on... His own software program called E4M, which stood for Encryption for the Masses. The software was actually pretty impressive because it allowed you to encrypt not only just like a disk drive, but your entire hard drive. What was actually really cool about it was that it didn't, like if someone looked at your computer, they wouldn't see that it was encrypted. So like if the police were looking through your computer, nothing would stand out to them. Because they could at least look for something that was encrypted and then they would know where to look. I With see. his software, nothing, it looked normal. Yeah, so you could have, like, child pornography and get away with it. Yes. But he had this whole theory. Various global governments were um, increasingly infringing on citizens' privacy and spying on them, and he felt that encryption software was the only defense for the future, and he really felt like he was trying to provide a service I'm- to make the world a better place. I mean, yes, and until, like, you can also use it to hide the fact that maybe you hired someone online to murder somebody. Yes, so like. it's, it's like a morally kind of gray area. The internet usually is. He's working on that, so he starts working um, with various different software companies, and he uses his kind of E4M idea to help build on these companies' software. And then he would get fired by the company for being, one, just general dick, and two, he would continue working on his own projects outside of the company, and it's all very, like, proprietary stuff. So they would be like, hey, you can't do that, you're fired. But also he was just a dick to everyone. Yeah, Um, he was a racist asshole. Yeah. But they would, at that point, have the rights to everything he worked on, so they would make shit tons of money off of it, and he wouldn't. So he was real salty about it. And I mean, I would be too, but like, if you're a dick, like, what do you- Stop being a dick. What do you Stop expect? getting fired. Like, maybe don't be a racist asshole. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Seems pretty straightforward to me, but what do I know? He was just, like, really done with, like, corporate. He knew that he was smart. He felt that he deserved to be rich and get what he wanted. And clearly working for someone um, wasn't... uh, Working for him. Working for him. (laughs) So, yeah. So he starts a new business venture Mm -hmm. of his own. Called RX Limited. Is it selling drugs? Because it sounds like it's selling drugs. It is, yes. (laughs) The RX kind of gives it away. Yes. RX Limited. The idea is that someone could go to a website, fill out a questionnaire about, you know, different symptoms they're having or whatever it is, choose the medication that they required. Um, There was, like, a list of, like, four or five medications that the site provided and then pay for it online and then that order and the questionnaire would go to a doctor like a real doctor 
somewhere and that doctor would say, okay, yeah, sounds like this person needs this prescription and sign off on it. Despite having never seen this person in in person, the operation is in the U.S., but all of the people operating the business, none of them are in the U.S. Okay. So the questionnaire gets sent to the doctors. The doctors sign off on it and send the prescription to a pharmacy in the U.S. It is usually a rural town, usually not like a big name one like CVS or something. It would be like locally owned. Um, so that it wasn't as necessarily highly regulated or watched. So the prescription would go to these pharmacies and the pharmacy would fill a prescription and mail it to the person. The pharmacies and the doctors got commissions on every order. Oh my god. So it benefited them. But where were all of these people finding these websites? Through spam emails. And you would think that, you know, eventually spam detection and you know, it would get caught. LaRue had found a way around this by getting his own domain seller so he could continually just pop out new domains as much as he wanted. So So the spam wouldn't be detected quickly enough. Yeah, so every time a website got taken down, he could just replace it easily. Oh my god. So technically, it was legal because none of the drugs provided were, at the time, controlled substances. Like, you still needed a prescription, but they weren't illegal to have. Tramadol, which is like an opioid painkiller... That sounds like a controlled um, substance. You, you, this is before, <laughs> this is way before the opioid pan, uh, epidemic, but it ha- so. was actually a huge um, factor in when it. When was the opioid epidemic? Now. No, now? Okay. Now. Cool. <laughs> now. Um, Vi- right now. Viagra was one of them. Um, oh, I didn't know that, dog. Yeah. Uh, Man, I just. I'll take enough medications to know this shit. <laughs> yeah, so it was stuff like medicines for like tension headaches or like hair loss. So like nothing that like if you had it, it was illegal. If you didn't have symptoms, you could just go on the website and say you had symptoms in the questionnaire and just get a prescription for it. So it was technically yeah. legal. Morally a very gray area. Because you can just lie and get whatever, which is right. what I'm assuming people did. Right. This business actually was hugely successful because everyone involved in it benefited larue like quickly became very wealthy if anyone questioned like is this really legal they would refer you to a retired dea agent um who was definitely not a retired dea agent (laughs) but you would talk to him on the phone and he'd be like yeah no this is super legal this all lines up this is great oh and people would be like okay great cool like like thanks yeah so like they had all of these sort of like backups in place and eventually LaRue had to start opening call centers. Customer complaints and questions and just general sort of documentation and record keeping. So the doctors and pharmacists didn't care that it was like a morally gray and like kind of illegal simply because they benefited from it with money? What I gathered is that most of them were under the impression that it was legal. That it was legal I and see. everything was like above Checked board. Out. There were some very persuasive people who just deflect and sort of that sort of thing. And like people, you know, would say they had symptoms on the questionnaires. It wasn't like someone was like, I have a headache so I need a prescription opioid. Ten call centers opened um and they were opened around the world because again the operation happened in the u.s 
but it was run almost entirely by people not of in the US. US. So they were just profiting off of the US. Yes, and LaRue loved the cheap hmm. labor in other countries. That's the most American thing you could do. Yes. Um, Even though he's not American, but... Yes, but he really seems like one. He really embraced it. He, yes. He, really, he really he embraced... He made the best of the American a, dream. a white American man. Yes. <laughs> I'm white, these labor white man from other countries and pay them nothing. Yes. The employees in these call centers were told to adopt an English-sounding name to use, and they would tell their callers that they were calling from Utah. So the employees... Probably knew that they were into something a little shady, but again, most of them really just thought they were working for a company. It, at the time, he had over um, a thousand employees just in the call centers. Wow. That's not including all the doctors and pharmacists that he worked with, or that the company worked with. At this point, he is hugely rich, like... Doing real well. I could not find a number, and there are certain things in the story where I... You just kind of can't find them because kind of current legal situations that are still going on. So, like, not all of the information is, like, out there. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's still very secretive and stuff. So, it's it's kind of interesting that it's still, some of it's kind of a mystery, if Ooh. you will. I mean, this man is, like, 40-something now. Like, yeah. Uh, he was born in, 70, oh, 72. He's about 50 next year. Math. Math. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. Okay. Math. So... <laughs> We've discussed that LaRue is just an asshole. Super entitled. He has amassed this huge wealth. Some people would, you know, maybe call it a day and settle down and live life. Maybe some people would expand in that business. LaRue decides he wants to invest his money into different industries and and diversify, if you will. He was just bored, and he had money to spend. Kind of like how Bic makes both pens and razors. Yes. (laughs) I just always think that's so weird. It's kind of like how Elon Musk was like, Tesla, SpaceX, just like kind of whatever the fuck he wants. Because he just like has the money for it. And like if it works, it works. And if it doesn't work, then he's a fucking millionaire. So it doesn't matter. Like he hasn't lost anything. Yeah. That was the level of like, I can, I'm just going to do whatever the fuck I want. I see. That he decided to um, do. He started off small. He bought farmland owned by in in Zimbabwe owned by the government um for 12 million dollars on a 99 year lease because he wanted to give the land back to the white Zimbabwean citizens that it had been taken from he told a reporter that quote he wanted to see Zimbabwe back under the control of the whites end quote But this effort ended after about a year because he didn't like that one. It didn't really work out, and he had moved on to the next one. What what didn't work out about it? He just lost interest. He basically just abandoned it because he could. He abandoned it because he he could. I see. And he found a new thing that interested him, and um, this one was that he convinced someone in his network of people... Um, to lobby the government of the Democratic Republic of the Congo to allow logging of a endangered tree species that was really um, valuable. His guy lobbies the government, it works, but by the time everything is in place and ready to go, um, LaRue had gotten bored of this effort and ghosted the guy 
And this one lasted less than a year. Did they ever log it? I, I don't, I don't, I'm gonna assume no. I'm know. gonna assume some activists were like, "Don't know." I don't know if I was if I gave all of the details that are in. It would this be too much story, information. I see. It would be like twelve hours long. The details in here are crazy, and the amount of them, and they're all just like fucking bananas. But we just don't have time. We just don't have time. We just don't have time. We just don't. I highly encourage you look it up, though. (laughs) This one's my favorite. Um, LaRue finds out that tuna had been fished off of the coast of Somalia and that it was very valuable. But as piracy in Somalia had increased, fishermen had been fishing less. And so he decides... That he wants to basically monopolize the pirates of Somalia. So he gets them all together and says, Hey, I'll pay you to fish for me. Get me all the tuna in Somalia. And I'll protect you. And the pirates are like, fuck yeah. This is great. So he wanted a tuna fishery. I couldn't figure out if that worked out for him or not, but I just love that he was like, tuna! Yeah! What year was he doing all of this? Or what Like the 2000s. Okay, because I did just look it up and I wanted to point out, Elon Musk is only one year older than this guy. They're the same age. And I just feel like they know each other. <laughs> Isn't he South African? Oh my god, is he? I don't know. Are they buddies? Do they fucking know each other? Birth. I'm going to type in Elon Musk. Birth. Place. South Africa. These motherfuckers know each other. (laughs) Birds of a fucking feather. Oh my god. I gotta know. That? I haven't heard any mention of Elon Musk, but like honestly. But like, they would be friends. Honestly. They really would be. Yes. Okay, so the tuna, it worked out. Maybe it didn't work out. I don't know. I didn't find out. Eventually, this is all just far too tame for him. Too boring. Too boring. Not interesting enough. Can't hold his attention. He wants more for his life. He says, you know what, fuck it. I want to be a real criminal. Like, a global criminal. Why? Like, he wants to be balls deep in crime. (laughs) I need to do crime. (laughs) Yeah, you All this shit isn't illegal enough for me. And I would love to the tell thrill you of it all. all of the stories of what he gets into, but I'm just going to give you a list. Um, a list. I'm in, so I'm and ready. And this isn't even a full list. Okay. Um, illegal logging, and this is separate from his foray so into... Like lo- so this is a logging of endangered trees? Yes. Okay. Logging, illegal precious metals mining, um, gold smuggling, uh, land deals, so like illegal real estate development and stuff. Oh my god. Um, drug shipments, so like drug running um, across countries. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty Arms typical. Arms trafficking. So uh, smuggling guns yes. and weapons. And money laundering. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if the mic picked that up, but that was such <laughs> good <laughs> fucking timing. What? what? <laughs> that was really, really good. That was picked up because that was so (laughs) funny. Okay, continue. Um, (laughs) So money laundering. Okay, yeah, that also checks out. Yes. Because he has to money launder to do all these other legal activities. Illegal activity money has to come from somewhere else. Yes. So. Yes. With all of this happening, he is murdering, having people murdered and involved in murders and just like 
ruining people's lives and just like truly just decimating people around the world. But he was really smart about it. He kept everything super compartmentalized. Um, he only made sure that a couple people ever really knew who he was. Mm. So who worked for him did not know who they were working for. He just had like tons of basically like a militia of like ex soldiers just like doing dirty work for him. And they got paid out the butt to do it. He had moved to the Philippines. He had bribed um, most of the police officers. Um, the ones who he hadn't bribed knew that everyone else was bribed, so they were afraid to speak out about it. Um, he had landlords bribed. He had moles in the U.S. Embassy. But he's going through and making a concerted effort to kind of remove himself from any records. But he misses one. Two DEA agents in Minnesota... Did not miss it. Mm, They caught that shit. They did. Um, These two DEA agents had no idea what they were getting into. Like, they were two, basically their job, they weren't even, like, field agents. They sat in an office and looked at, like, financial records, and they just happened to notice that something was off. So they caught the money laundering. Um, yes. Is what it sounds like. Yes, I believe. Okay. Some, something like that. One but of the smaller like, crimes. But ooh. they follow the trail to this huge global crime network. Just like Tickled. Watch Tickled. I've recommended <laughs> it so many times and I'm recommending it again. <laughs> Tickled, same slope where it's like, oh, it's this little thing. Let's investigate. Holy shit, what have we found? These two DEA agents find his name and this sparks a huge, huge huge operation because they can't just like go find LaRue even if they did go find him like he has a militia of deadly people and you know even if he goes then they still have to figure out how to shut down his entire worldwide operation like it's a fucking it's fucking a lot he has like an actual army yes I think, I think one person referred to him as, like, a James Bond villain or something. Yeah, actually, he does yeah. sound like a James Bond villain, and these DA agents are just these mean souls and James yeah. Bonds. Like, oh, this number's off. Let's go investigate that, eh? Yeah. LaRue was consistently, like, staying up on technology. He had a lot. He had all the best equipment all the time. Like, he had a, he had a like, virtual fortress in the Philippines. Oh, yeah. He and um, Elon definitely know each other. <laughs> They so, have to. I, yeah. They're both like Bond villains. That would be interesting. <laughs> like actually, actually yeah. though, I did see a comparison of Elon Musk to a Bond villain as well online pretty recently. Though. Well, he also just, Elon Musk just had that like weirdness. He yeah. definitely was the cringy, where like, goth kid like, in middle school, where, like, 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 like there's the goth it. kid, and then there's the cringy goth kid. They're two, I, they're, they're I subspecies. Gonna, I was gonna say, because I was like, don't insult goth kids. No, no, like. no, 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 no. <laughs> There's the one where it's like, oh, you're a goth, and that's just cool, and whatever. And then there's the one there where it's like, you're kind of creepy, you, like, prey on girls, uh, and yeah. it's, like, weird, you know what I mean? Like, like he didn't choose to be a social outcast. But now that he's a social outcast, he's he, like, it. believes he's above everybody else. I've always said this, and I will say it, I'll say it again right the fuck now. The moment I saw Elon Musk and Grimes together, 
I got, I was like, this, this reminds me of, like, the creepy older guy at the Vampire the Masquerade LARP who, like, hits on the underage girls in the parking lot, like, blasting Nine Inch Nails from their, like, beat-up car that their mom bought them. Like, that is the image I have. I want. A- and, like, and it's, like, so real, though. <laughs> like, he can- just reminds me of, like, oh, yes. you're, I'm a senior, and, like, you're a freshman, and you don't know any better, and yes. I'm going to prey on you about, like, oh, my God. And you would 100% <laughs> run into him at, like, a vamp, like, an underground vampire bar Oh, or my something. God, yeah. Like, actually, like, when I saw that old photo of him from, like, high school or college or whatever... I don't know if you saw it because everyone was way too focused on Ben Shapiro's cringy, like, Matrix photo. But there was another one of Elon Musk of him in, like, high school, and he's wearing, like, a spiked-up vampire, like, jacket holding, like, a rose, being, like, very, like, edgy. Wait, this sounds familiar. Um, probably because I'm obsessed with this image because I think it's hilarious, but, uh, the one of Ben Shapiro got way bigger because it was honestly more dramatic and hysterical. Okay, he doesn't have a rose, but he looks like he would have a rose. Oh, I did. I did see that. <laughs> he I looks like he that. would have a rose, though. I in my yes. mind he had one, but he he didn't. But yeah, the Ben Shapiro one is too good <laughs> with the fucking katana. Oh my god, and the like Matrix jacket, and like he definitely. Okay, I'm absolutely putting these in the blog whenever I actually make the blog happen. Or maybe I'll just put it. I'll layer it over us on the YouTube video because it's so good. He looks like. Okay, I don't know if you remember when The Matrix came out in, like, 2001. No. Like, there is a lot of obsession around the movie, and a lot of people oh, yeah. who, like, basically, like, they, like, cosplayed, you know, like, going to see the movie and stuff, but they yeah. would, like, be really in character, and back then it was, like, hella fucking cringe. And there's this video I gotta show you where it's, like, these guys waiting in line for the second Matrix movie, and, like, super hyped for it, and they're all, like, introduce yourselves, and they're, like... I'm John, I'm a runner. And, like, they all have, like, sunglasses on. They, like, say their, like, position, like, in the... Oh, my God. It's just... It's so fucking good. It's so good. And it's just exactly what Ben Shapiro was. And I just love it. I'm sorry. Continue. I'm so sorry. I just... In order to take down LaRue, first they decide that they have to take down his associates and his crime network. This involved Somali pirates, Israeli arms dealers, international drug runners, um, and various hitmen and assassins. Um, So all of these people had to be tracked down and caught before they could get LaRue. Oh my god. Yeah. (laughs) Let me track down your individual assassins worldwide. Yeah. Fuck. Oh my god. Imagine being put on that assignment. How can you not feel like James Bond? Yeah, so... That took some time. Eventually, there is a different sting operation in Liberia where undercover DEA agents lured LaRue to Liberia on the promise of a large shipment of methamphetamines. He was like, yes, I want that. Meet you there. Cool. They got him. Um, (laughs) Wow, thank God. So, like, literal, like, spy shit. So, because <laughs> he really is a Bond villain. Yes, he, yes. Which is why I felt like mad scientist, because it's just that, like, he is, like, actually, like, a crazy person. A yeah. super crazy, smart person who went yeah. fucking wild. 
Man, wild. They don't make mad scientists like they used to. No. This, this They're is now like, programmers. This is, this is 20th, And believe in white supremacy. <laughs> 21st century mad scientist. Jesus. <laughs> mine mine is going to be so different from this. I think that's great. For, what is it? Variety is the spice of life. He's caught. Great. Um, Sick. We love it. In January 2014. Okay. He pleaded guilty. Being involved with the RX Limited operation. Uh, Involved? You mean like running the whole thing? Yes. In December of 2014, he pleaded guilty to trafficking methamphetamine into the U.S., selling technology to Iran, ordering or participating in seven murders, as well as fraud and bribery. In March 2016, um, it was revealed that U.S. authorities had had to take unspecified steps to protect LaRue's family. June 12, 2020, so not that long ago, LaRue was sentenced to 25 years in prison. I think that's not nearly enough. Yeah, he'll be like 75 by the time he's out. it's not all bad because they, they gave him a more lenient sentence because he had cooperated. Well, 25 years is also... He literally had a substance. I, I know. I okay, know. 25 years, though, in most states is life, technically. That's a life sentence, 20, 25 to 28 years. The presiding judge said, quote, The scope and severity of Mr. LaRue's criminal conduct is nothing short of breathtaking. I have before me a man who has engaged in conduct in keeping with the villain in a James Bond movie. Breathtaking crime. I mean, honestly. <laughs> honestly. So, yes, it's only 25 years, but upon his release, LaRue is expected to be extradited to the Philippines, where he will stand trial for the murders committed there, as well as um, the armed shipments intercepted by the government there. Wow. So, that he still has that to worry about down the line. LaRue, though, has a different plan for what he's going to um, spend the rest of his life doing. Okay. Um, he told uh in a letter to the court he wrote i plan to start a business selling and hosting bitcoin miners you literally can't from jail though because you literally can't i mean he can start the business but he literally can't profit if you're in prison you literally cannot profit off of anything he says he's going to use a special chip that would generate bitcoin faster than anything currently on the market what honestly if anyone could though I mean, yeah, but, like, it's fuck. <laughs> but it, I, it's just hilarious to me that he's like, no, I'm going to do this instead. Like, fuck you, you guys. I guess, but, you know, I'm going to do that. Yeah, like, I got <laughs> o- I got other plans. Sorry. Like, yeah, so so that's that. Um, th- That is the most condensed I could make it. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, you did it, it is, though. You fucking did it. It is. I mean, the amount of things I had to leave out that were just... I really thought that I was just going to pick, like, a single article and be done with the research in, like, an hour. No. No. No, this man did too much. Nope. Nope, 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 That's nope. fucking wild. He really is a fucking, like, cartoon villain. Yeah, like, and what it's crazy to me that it's, like, happen- like, it's happening now, you know? Like, yeah. That he <laughs> just got caught a year ago. Yeah, Jesus. Truly, like, a racist misogynistic piece of shit. It's funny, because misogyny wasn't actually, like, mentioned in this story, but it's pretty assumed. I trust it. I trust that he was misogynistic. A lot of his, um, 
Usenet 4chan posts were, like, very... Anti-women? Yeah. Okay, because I know he was very racist. Racist. But usually if you're racist, I just sort of assume you're also a misogynist and also, like, I, mean, I don't care because you suck. Anyone who owns up to, like, yeah, I'm an internet troll and I'm proud of it and I love it, like, at that point, uh, just, like, like, cease to exist, please. Stop. Stop. You're not funny. Nobody yeah, cares. Like, and, like, nobody's impressed. Okay, it's... can we go back, like, a century or two? Yeah, let's go back a couple centuries so <laughs> I can talk about fra- fucking Frankenstein. The fucking OG. All right. So, um, I love Frankenstein. It is considered to be the first sci-fi story ever published, which yeah. is pretty fucking sick. And also want to highlight that it's Mary fucking Shelley, a woman who did it, and I think it's such bullshit that it's like, yeah, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Well, what about Mary Shelley's Frankenstein? No, yeah. everyone just wants to call it Frankenstein. Um, but I just wanted to give a little background on Mary Shelley before going into the potential, I'm sorry, not potential, to the very real mad scientists that Dr. Frankenstein was potentially based off of. Yes, please. So... Uh, I'm reading this first uh, article off of uh, Pace Press. Uh, it's written by Grace Vespa, and it's titled The Impact of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein 200 Years Later. Uh, during stormy weather in the summer of 1816, uh, Percy Shelley, Mary Shelley, Lord Byron, and other intellectuals passed the time by telling ghost stories. In Lake Geneva, Switzerland, Byron challenged the group to write their own ghost stories and vote for the winner. I hope I'm described when after i die i hope i'm described as an intellectual as an intellect and other intellectuals <laughs> yeah. um hunter Hunter's moore like- and other intellectuals had a podcast i think it sounds nice <laughs> it, like sound, it does sound really nice um mary shelley suffered from a feverish dream that she described as the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together and thus frankenstein was born Oh, that's so cool. I know, I love it. That is, like, She's so me, like, good with shivers. words. Like, oh. the pit of unhallowed arts. Yeah. Um, the famous Gothic novel has influenced popular culture since its publication in 1818. Yeah. The story of a creature carved from corpses who later turns on his creators speaks to the philosophical question of creating artificial technology that has the possibility to overrun its mastermind. So, Shelley was 18 when Frankenstein, or the modern Prometheus, which was the original title, was written. Oh, yeah. Um, The New Yorker calls her novel Four Stories in One, an allegory, a fable, an epistolary novel, and an autobiography, a literary concoction of various ideas, much like Frankenstein himself. Uh, So, Shelley was born in 1797 to feminist pioneer Mary Wollstonecraft, which is a fucking cool last that's name. Very cool. Wollstonecraft. I just like Stonecraft. Like something yeah. that, stuff that has that like craft yeah. and like I don't know. It's got a stone po- it's got a to it. Yeah. So Mary Wollstonecraft, uh, the author of the 1792 uh, treatise, a vindication of the rights of woman. In the 1700s, might I fucking add, like, dude, Amazing. you. Like, you couldn't go anywhere. Fucking you couldn't go media. anywhere or exist as a woman by yourself. Like, you would literally be burned at a stake in um, some you have places. hysteria, you need to be burned alive. Oh, my God. Her father was a radical philosopher, William Godwin. 
However, Shelley, Shelley's mother died shortly after her birth, and her father's new wife did not give her a formal education. Instead, Shelley educated herself. And at the age of 16, she met the revolutionary poet Percy Shelley. When her father disapproved of the marriage, the newlyweds just ran away together. <laughs> And they just traveled around Europe together. Even more reason to get married. I know. They're just like, oh, you're like, you dad. But daddy, I love him. But daddy. But daddy. <laughs> Although many people attributed Frankenstein to her husband because they're fucking sexist and think that if a woman writes anything about a man, it has to do with her dad or her husband. But the couple was supportive of one another's work. And Percy Shelley's edits are found on an early edition of Frankenstein. So, like, he helped, like, edit her writing that. and, like, helped her. Like, he, like, Frankenstein is not about him. Like, it's such bullshit. Okay. Percy. I know. Good boy. So, according to the Independent, sorry, I came off way more condescending than it was supposed to. Good boy, Percy. Good boy. According to the Independent, Shelley's life was filled with tragedy, from her first two children dying at an early age to her husband drowning in 1822 in the Gulf of Spezia. Her novel was completed just as she was pregnant with her third child. And literary scholars suggest that the grief, loneliness, and fear that Frankenstein's monster feels is based on the struggle Shelley went through. So, I guess... Wait, so Percy dies? He drowns? He drowns in 1822. But I will say this, he drowned after the book was published. So the book still isn't based on him. Or his I mean, death, yes, or, or like, yeah. I'm just sad that he died. No, I, I am like too. We, we liked him a lot. He was a good editor. Yet, after her husband's death, Shelley continued to write and publish four novels, short stories, essays, and compilations of his poetry. She died from brain cancer in 1851 at age 53 after a life of feminist trailblazing. Yes, bitch. Shelley's Frankenstein has survived 200 years of creative adaptations and intellectual discussions, and the legacy of the novel shows no sign of slowing down. Um, to the point where in 2018, uh, Guillermo del Toro, the director of The Shape of Water, like, thanked Shelley for inspiring him to continue his own work. In his acceptance speech at the British Academy of Film and Television Awards, del Toro stated that Shelley gave voice to the voiceless and presence to the invisible and showed me that sometimes to talk about monsters, we need to fabricate monsters of our own. Um, according wow. to the New York Times, adapting Frankenstein's monster to the big screen is a dream for the director, who called him the most beautiful and moving of all the monsters. And I agree with that. And I just fucking love that. He so is. I really want to shine a light on Mary Shelley, because she fucking deserves it. Yeah. Oh, and um love her so there's two mad scientists in real history that people believe dr frankenstein is based off of two for very different reasons um okay. the first one who's gonna be i mean they're both kind of obvious reasons once i tell you but the first <laughs> one is gonna be john conrad dippel oh johan sorry i read his name wrong johan conrad dippel not john it's probably dippel because German. Deeple. I mean, yeah, it's German, man. German, baby. <laughs> Was a 17th century physician and theologian. Did I say that right? Theologian. Theologian, motherfucker. Like any good mad scientist, he liked to dabble in alchemy and was interested in finding the perfect cure-all remedy, mostly focusing on the elixir of immortality. He thought he could create an elixir 
of immortality. I mean, when everyone died when they were, like, 25, I feel like that's a pretty good priority. <laughs> I mean, yeah, actually. So, Johann Conrad de Bull, um was born in 1673 and died in 1734, so that's like 50, yeah, around that's, 50. That's pretty good for that oh, time. Yeah, a little less than 50. Uh, Decent. Yeah, he was 49. I can do math. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, fuck, he was just short than 60. He was 50. Ah, oh, fuck me, he was 59. 83. 83. <laughs> yeah, he was 60. I'm sorry. We need to calculate all of our numbers before we record this I know! <laughs> I hope you like math. I'm going to do an episode on math, the history of math. It's going to be Point awful. Cob plus math. Plus math. Oh my god. Featuring math. So this guy wrote over 70 works in treatises. I hope I'm saying that right too. On mathematics, chemistry, and philosophy most written under the pseudonym of Christianus Democritus. That sounds real fancy. With his texts now buried in various academic collections. Um, he was an alchemist trying to turn base metals to gold and searching especially for the Philosopher's Stone and the Elixir Vitae, uh, the secret to extended, if not eternal, life. Dippel was an early uh, chemical manufacturer, and he created a concoction called Dippel's Oil, or okay. Dippel's... So he's just Nicholas Flamel, because Nicholas Flamel and Alvis Dumbledore, didn't they make, like, the, discover the seven uses for dragon's blood or something? I'm not gonna lie, I don't know that much about Harry Potter trivia. Rude. I, d- I just don't. <laughs> I really, like, I read them as a kid, but I didn't, like, it wasn't part of my personality. I like, I didn't, I didn't invest. I want to know, because it sounds like just, like, straight up, like, Nicholas Flamel. Honestly, the books, yes, everyone should read them. They should be mandatory reading. However, you should then have to read certain Harry Potter fanfiction stories as follow-up. Because the fanfiction is better. I will absolutely give it Hands that. Down. The hand The fanfiction is much And also just better. as a fuck you to J.K. Rowling, too. Like, just, yeah, like, she I, sucks. the less, like, praise we can give her, the better. Mm-hmm. I really hope they re-film all of Harry Potter with just trans actors. Well, this guy, Dippel, <laughs> made animal oil, um, animal which was oil. Mm-hmm, used primarily as an agent in the tanning of animal hides, from oh. where it most likely gets its name, and in clothing coloring. They use, like, you have to, like, mash up the animal brains to make the hide last. Yes, you do. Isn't that gross? It is gross. I hate that. However, the issue is that no one really watched him work and just sort of, like, assumed what was happening. And they definitely knew he was mashing animal bone, but he's probably mashing other animal parts, like animal brain, especially since it's, like, needed for tanning. Yeah. So. It was also said locally around to be useful in calming the pangs and distempers of pregnancy. Which, honestly, the shit smelled fucking god-awful, and I think they used it to threaten women to put in their faces for them to calm down when they were having hysteria. Like, I honestly think that's what they were doing with that, because it makes no sense for that to uh, calm the pangs and distemper of pregnancy, unless you get high from it or something. Was, and and they did they like, did prove later that it is, it, like, it is bad to breathe them, it like, in. pass out or something, like... I mean, yeah, like, knock them yeah. out, like, oh my gosh, ugh. here's some ether for your hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> so it was reputed to be a foul-smelling business. 
AKA everyone was like, wow, this castle this guy lives in and works in smells like actual rotting bodies. I feel like putting something that smells gross in front of a pregnant woman is just going to make them immediately barf. Probably. Like, they're I guess already you barfing can't, all the time anyway. I guess you can't like, be hysterical if you're barfing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. You absolutely can. Don't test me on this because I won't do it. Hysterical <laughs> or barfing? Pick one. <laughs> That's why I feel like it's used to threaten them is what I feel yeah, like. No, like. I feel no. like you would threaten a woman with that. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, here is where the name Frankenstein comes into play. So uh, Johan Tipple was a resident at the Frankenstein Castle, which was on a here, which was on a hilltop near Darmstadt. It needs a little jingle now. I feel like that was just like the intro to like a sitcom. Frankenstein <laughs> Castle. <laughs> for a time, so he was living there for a time when the castle had fallen vacant of its lordly Frankenstein family owners. So he wasn't part of the Frankenstein family. He was living with them and, like, using areas of their castle for his own operations. But then they all died. So he was like, this is my house now. This is mine now. I'm going to make this my house now because there's no no one alive to claim it. Well, also, he made it smell really fucking bad. Well, he smelled it. He made it smell really fucking bad, but also the castle was used as a prison for a while, and oh. they would bury the prisoners in like paupers' graves, which was like really fucking shallow graves. So there was also like this place was cursed as fuck. There was like a shoddy graveyard there and a fucking prison. The prison wasn't used as a prison anymore, but like this guy might have used it as a prison. I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't cursed. know what he was doing for this uh, elixir. I'm sure he. De- I'm sure he totally like kidnapped people or something. I don't know experimented on them that's just my like american horror story brain going that direction Uh, it's very possible he didn't do any of that but the fact that he kept killing animals to use to grind them up tells me he didn't have that much compassion for life i don't know though like that was part of that's true. It's just part you of your culture. To, like, you just kill, kill a animals. chicken for dinner. That's, that's actually like, very that true. Was... We're very far removed because we have factories were... that do it for us now. We're food. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. So Dipple uh, tried to, you know, claim the castle as his own. And other people were like, no. <laughs> no, I don't think that makes sense. And also, uh, you make everything smell awful. And we hate that. <laughs> you stinky. Yeah, they're like, and and people became convinced he was absolutely at least using dead bodies to experiment with. And so he, as we know, crushed up animal bone and animal brains and animal body parts. Um, But there's a legend that he made his oil and formulas from human body parts as well. Um, Due to the pauper's graves, they claim that, you know, they're shallow, so he just digs up the body and uses them. He would, like, go grab an arm if he needed it. Right. And I need an extra hand. Guess I'll go get one. Yep. Um. I'm say. I'm sorry to say he did not create an elixir for immortality. Unfortunately, or an end all, be all remedy for illness either, because that was something he was trying to do. Basically, like that would have been really nice. It would have been cool, and I would have been impressed using, considering the environment he was working in. <laughs> However, there's another kind of connection between Mary Shelley and this guy. Like, 
trying to show proof that she knew who he was, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. So, especially since the time that he existed and the time that she existed aren't that far apart, it would be like us talking about Marilyn Monroe. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah. Like, that's the kind of time distance yeah. they were apart. Okay. But the other connection, uh, which is a little indirect, John Polidori, who was Lord Byron's companion during that same summer of the ghost stories that I told you about earlier. Yes, from the intellectuals. The intellectuals. Uh, John Polidori was one of the intellectuals. Um, is Was reported to have committed suicide by drinking prussic acid, more commonly known as hydrogen cyanide. Ooh. Gross. Yeah, cyanide bad. Um, which Sherlock Holmes always managed to, to deduce from its smell of bitter almonds. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's a thing that's used in literary stuff. Um, prussic acid gets its name and is derived from a painting pigment called Prussian blue, which is now sometimes used as an anti-radiation medicine. Prussian blue was created by a Berlin printmaker named someone who fucking cares, who made it from something that came from whatever, and he got that from <laughs> Johan Conrad Dippel. Oh. <laughs> um, one of the chemical ingredients at the core of Dippel's work and a common chemical manufacturing compound today. So it's indirect, but sure. Dippel moved <laughs> on from the castle of Darmstadt. Frankenstein's castle, still ever seeking his life-sustaining elixir, but in the end, it may have had the opposite effect for him. He died of complications of chemical poisoning, either from his close work with some very toxic substances, maybe cyanide, (laughs) or perhaps sampling his own elixir formula, which may have had the opposite effect of the one intended. Mm -hmm. Mary Mary Shelley encounters Dipple's oil, and the story behind it on the Rhine trip in 1814 as told in the secret memoirs of Mary Shelley when she was feeling the sensations of her first pregnancy. This next guy I'm going to talk about is um, who potentially inspired, helped inspired Frankenstein. is Giovanni Aldini. who's sounds really like a magician. He actually is more of a magician than a scientist. I'm actually not kidding. He's like a magician. I'm straight up. I'm like convinced Houdini was like, oh, Houdini's a cool name. I'm just going to... Because, I mean, I don't believe Houdini was really his name. Maybe it was. So Giovanni Aldini was a 19th century physicist. So he was, he does science, but he had a circus freak show of science. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. He traveled Europe with... What literally can only be described as a freak show circus of science. Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, electricity was his thing. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, During the show in London in the early 1800s, Al- like 1805 okay. kind of time, Aldini electrocuted the severed heads and bodies of dogs, horses, sheep, and cows with high-powered batteries. The dead animals began to move and twitch as if they were alive, prompting one reporter in the audience to refer to Aldini's spectacle as Satan's Puppet Show. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope I get to make that. I really hope you can just hear this. Why is this timing so good? (laughs) Oh no! I don't even know what he's doing. (laughs) Oh my god. Um... But Aldini's most famous experiment came the next year after he he went from animals being like, no, no, we're going to move on to people. 
Oh. Yeah. Okay. Which I believe... he wasn't creepy enough. Yeah, which I believe in 18... Here's a nice little illustration of uh, him electrocuting an ox head. Uh, he was given the body, so he was donated a body, I guess, by the government, um, <laughs> of a hanged criminal who had been executed for the murder of his wife and child. So I guess the point was, yeah, it's okay. They were like, we don't care about him yeah. and what we do to his body, because oh, fuck this guy. Yeah. So, after applying conducting rods to the man's rectum, no. that part was left out of Frankenstein. <laughs> or was it? <laughs> the corpse began to punch and kick the air violently. Oh my gosh, rods applied to the face also seemed to make the body come alive. When one of the eyes popped open, several people in the audience thought that the man had actually come back to life. Uh, well, well, fucking yeah, like... Yeah, which, I don't know why this is mentioned, but had that been the case, he would have, of course, been immediately executed again. <laughs> Second time's the charm! <laughs> but it was the fact of using electric, uh, electricity... As a form of reanimating yeah. the body. Yeah. That's like the Frankenstein's whole fucking thing. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, yeah, this would have, like, Mary Shelley would have been five years old when this show happened. So, oh, she, so this, that's this was, this is during her lifetime. Nightmare fuel, dream fuel. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is, that's going to stick with you if you're a kid and you see that. Yeah. Apparently it's called, uh, galvanism. But he also constructed an illuminated lighthouses. That's nice. You know. That's, that's life-saving. But, you know, experimented, you know, with experiments for preserving human life and material objects from destruction by fire. So he tried to make people and objects fireproof. Also people pretty cool. He tried, you know. <laughs> I mean, back then... Fire is such a fucking common thing because yeah. everyone has candles. Yeah. You know, it's probably not a bad venture to, like, fireproof your shit. And if you're going to be experimenting with electricity, having a good, like, fireproof system would be yeah. useful. So he did other things besides his weird-ass freak show. Well, but I think the freak show made nice. him the most money. But what I also <laughs> love is that he was born in baloney. <laughs> <laughs> he's Italian. He's born in Bologna, Italy. <laughs> it's Giovanni. Giovanni Aldini. I just like that Bologna is a real place. <laughs> Maybe it's pronounced Bologna, but it's what we like to call Bologna. Have you seen? There's this TikTok of this of this girl this from I guess like Britain or somewhere and she's like nobody told me that you guys have this absolute treat and she opens a thing of like Oscar Mayer bologna oh my god and just like she's like this is a delicacy and like takes a <laughs> takes a big fucking bite out of a bologna slice and I was just like ah. um so Giovanni Aldini also I like how this was written he bequeathed. Ooh. A considerable sum Ooh. to found a school of natural science for artisans at Bologna. <laughs> I will not call it Bologna. It's Bologna. I refucking-fuse. But this guy lived to be 71. So oh. back then, like, he might as well have 
found a fucking elixir to life. Like, he he wasn't the elixir guy, but, like, maybe okay. he just electrocuted himself enough. I don't know. Damn, all right. Um, also, here is a uh, quote. Oh, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 not a quote, not a quote. But just, like, a suggestion that Mary Shelley associated Giovanni with her Frank works in Frankenstein, which how could it not be related? In uh, her introduction to the 1831 edition of Frankenstein, because it was rewritten, mm-hmm. uh, she does not mention Aldini, but galvanism was among the evening discussion topics before she experienced her waking dream that led to her writing. So chapter five, the creature awakened, and it's quoted, by the glimmer of the half-extinguished light, I saw the dull yellow eye of the creature open. It breathed hard in a convulsive motion, agitated its limbs. That I mean, sounds like an actual description of his Satan's puppet show. Uh, yeah, I love that. I love that term, Satan's puppet, Satan's puppet show. show. <laughs> it's just Satan's puppet show. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So that's my little mad scientist. Amazing. I thought it was really interesting, really cool. Love Mary Shelley. Love what she's what done a for queen. the for the I know for the gothic. Yes. First of all, OG goth girl. Like <laughs> for real though. Into the creepy shit. I know. Like people talk about Edgar Allan Poe being like gothic and whatever, and it's like cool, whatever. But like Mary fucking Shelley. Yeah. No, she lived it. She like lived going because they she were staying at the Frankenstein castle, right? The she didn't. She did. Oh, she did. They didn't stay at the Frankenstein Castle. I thought she. Said, she visited. That's what I mean. That's what I mean. Like but she, I don't think she stayed there. Oh, like she just went to like tour it. Yeah. So I have an honorable mention that is a mad scientist, and this one's just fucking weird, and it's pretty short. So let's go into it. So a very honorable mention. This is very uh Paracelsus. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Paracelsus. No, I, that I, sounds wrong. I, I honestly, my dyslexia wants to say Paraclesius, <laughs> but that's not it. That sounds better. It sounds way better. But I think Paracelsus? I don't know. I like Paraclesius because I made sounds, that up. Oh, it and sounds it's, way and it's, better, It though. sounds nice, and it, it sounds... It rolls off the tongue. It sounds Greek, even though this guy's Swiss-German, but whatever. <laughs> this guy existed in the 16th century, so 14, 1400s, 1500s, so 1493, 15, this dude <laughs> was a Swiss German scientist who made a number of advancements in the fields of biology, chemistry, and medicine. Many professionals accept him as the founder of toxicology for correctly concluding that toxic substances in small doses could be used beneficially. That's actually really fucking cool. Yeah, so they're like, we know this kills people. But it can also kill I people. Feel like they would just be like, no, fucking witchcraft. Uh-uh. Yeah. Don't touch me with your nasty witchcraft shit. But he's a white man, so they're like, hmm, maybe you're onto something. <laughs> We're just, like, really bashing on old white men in this episode. Oh, yeah, we are. Oh, yeah, we are. Because it's just how it goes. I mean. <laughs> um, but even though his mind for medicine was centuries ahead of its time, he was still a bit of an occultist and performed his fair share of bizarre personal experiments. My favorite one being 1537. This guy wrote a treatise addressed to his brother where he described some of the alchemical secrets he had acquired over the years. Of particular note was his recipe for making a homunculus. 
For those of you who don't know what a homunculus is, because you haven't, because you haven't watched <laughs> anime or don't know Full Metal fucking Alchemist, a small humanoid creature through alchemy. So a homunculus is being able to create a human from nothing, from like think Vol- other things. Think gross Voldemort baby before he got his body back. Gross Voldemort baby. Yeah, a homunculus is like I I hope to turn this clay shaped like a man and give it life like a man. So like you know. Frankenstein, but instead of a dead body, you're using other substances. You could use, like, animal parts and, like, other things. Yeah. But the idea was that it's created just from other things. According to this guy's instructions, first you take some sperm. It's your first step. It's already a red flag. <laughs> and let it decay in a pile of horse manure for about 40 days. By that point, the sperm should come to life and begin resembling a tiny, transparent human without a fully formed body. I can only assume this was part of Voldemort's beginning, because you brought that up. <laughs> so I'm sure he spent a lot of time in horse shit. Uh, then all you need to do is keep it in horse manure and feed it human blood every day. After 40 weeks, 40 weeks. Of blood meals. That's too much. You'll have yourself a homunculus. <laughs> Easy peasy. <laughs> At that rate, like, it's a shorter amount of time just to have a baby. DIY human. And it's less work. It's actually less, like, work, honestly, to have just a yes. fucking baby. Yes. Like, actually. Yes. I guess the idea was having, like, something that wasn't human, but, like, Get it, like adopt a dog. I don't know. What to, I don't know how to help you. I don't know how to help you. I just like nine months of pregnancy sounds. Hell is nine months forty is forty weeks nine months. I want to know. That would be. But is, like that's also a lot of horse manure. Forty like, weeks. Like, do you have to replace the horse manure? Forty weeks is ten months. That's Does it have longer. to be fresh all the time? Like, can you just use the same horse manure? No, I think you're supposed to preserve it. Preserve the horse manure. I think so. so I don't. You need to so keep you keep you the poop fresh. You, you. I don't think you keep it fresh because you like feed, you keep it. You feed it human blood, so I'm sure it dries out at some point. Because <laughs> oh you're feeding it blood meals, so like it's staying moist. But blood also like coagulates and stuff, right? It does. It does coagulate, and it would dry eventually. Look, I'm not saying this works. <laughs> I'm just saying it's what he wrote to his brother. It's like Frankenstein, though. Like taking a bunch of different Frankenstein vibes and making a a person like thing is exactly the thing that happens. It's a little more poetic to use actual human body parts, but. (laughs) (laughs) But, like. It's a little yeah, no. Yeah. That sounds a lot more um, appealing than a pile of horse manure and human blood for 10 months. Yeah. There's things I would rather do. <laughs> but uh, I, I think this is also a, co- a cool honorable mention just because it is also related to the, like, electrocuting convulsion. I forgot the word for it. The word. Galvanism. Galvanism. Because this galvanism. guy. This, what this guy did with galvanism is he also got a uh, body of a hanged killer because that was just the trick. That was just the easiest. Do. This is the easiest body to obtain. <laughs> a fresh corpse. 
and no one cares about it. So he thought he really could bring the body back to life full Mary Shelley style. So um, he would he put a bunch of different rods in the body and stimulated the fuck out of it to the point where it was convulsing like violently. And by stimulating the supraorbital nerve, he was able to make the cadaver's face display a range of emotions, which is creepy as shit. Oh. So I include that included anger, horror, despair, anguish, a lot of ups, I guess upsetting. That is the like that is way more creepy to me. And then also a contorted smile. He could make no. it smile in like the Thank creepiest you. way. No thanks. The expressions that, scared viewers so... Uh, that sounds, like, so... Oh, yeah. Ugh. The expressions scared viewers so badly that even doctors who are known to have strong stomachs passed out at the site. Because imagine you're seeing this body that was dead, is dead, convulsing violently, and then, like, making expressions. And that's so It looks like it's alive. It's fucking terrifying. Too, because I would think that, like, with rigor mortis, the muscles would, like... Be, be like too really stiff. Rigor mortis sets in pretty quickly, so yeah, you're right. I don't know. Like it's ours. Yeah, this guy's name is Andrew Yer, by the way, and he lived 1778 to 1857. So Frankenstein was already famous literary yeah. art at this point. Yeah. Um. That's. Crazy. He was he was just a big old fanboy, <laughs> and was like, I want to do it. I can do it for real. Um. In the end, he did not succeed. In Bringing dead people back to life. Otherwise, I think we would know who the fuck this man is. Yes. Uh, he believed the reason for his failure was because the body had been drained of blood. That which, was it. Which prevented the heart from sustaining that a pulse it. when it was shocked. Oh. So I guess he was given the one shot in the one body to try <laughs> They were like, one and That's done. It. Too horrifying. Get the fuck out of here. Yeah. We are not here for no, this. We need to shut this down. Goodbye. Goodbye. Um, so thanks guys for listening. This has yes. been a mad scientist. Um ooh, feel free <laughs> to follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, I guess Facebook. I don't know. And um You know what I mean? We also have a Patreon. It's been dead for a while, I'm not gonna lie, but I had there's some episodes coming out that uh are gonna be Patreon exclusive. Yeah, so Ooh. there'll be some Patreon exclusive wow. episodes. I have other projects that are taking t- t- five ever to get moving. Five ever. Five fucking ever. <laughs> I've said this a lot in past episodes about these fucking projects and like, like the like the last like the Drunken Dreadful episode with you, like oh getting all the reenactments for that is actually like oh a task. Um, yeah, but yeah. So thanks and keep it freaky. Bye.